If you like that we brought the drop back, if you enjoy what we're doing here, please share this with people. Uh, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, things like that. They really do help us uh, reach more people. And I should tell you, we're going to be doing some artist interviews very soon. So that's another reason to tune in and stay here. I'm going to tell you about a few things that happened today. First of all, a California venue owner reacted to the Senate hearings this week. We've been talking about this a lot this week. The Ineffable Music Group, which owns venues in Santa Cruz, which may be... Uh, Familiar to Fish fans, they own the Catalyst. Uh, they own venues in Ventura, Berkeley, several other cities. They said that effective immediately, they won't take 20% merch fees from artists anymore. Uh, for those of you who don't know, bands play, pay the venue to sell merch. I've always found this odd when we put on uh, shows. It just doesn't really make that much sense because they're taking a cut of everything else. And it's it's the band's merch that they put together and they bring. It's really um, just another way for venues to make money, which, you know, that's okay. But at this point, um, it, it makes sense to kind of go in this, this opposite direction. The CEO of Ineffable Music Group told Billboard he thinks artists at a 500-cap show, a 500-person venue, may now be able to pocket up to $2,000 more per show. And so other venue owners uh, should check this out. It's an easy fix that could put a lot more money in people's pockets. I mean, 2000 more per show at a 500-person venue is quite a lot. Some bands don't make that much more than $2,000, and, and a lot of bands are making uh, most of their money on merch um, at these shows. So it's a great move. Clyde Lawrence of the band Lawrence spoke about these particular fees in his Senate testimony this week. So it's cool that that this seems like one step in the right direction and another kind of piece of... Uh, piece of good news in the in the concert industry and the company ineffable music group said they'll lose hundreds of thousands of dollars per year but they want to contribute to a healthier concert ecosystem which is a nice way to look at it all right bob weir's solo album ace turns 50 andy kush our friend uh, who hosted the late era podcast he wrote a, a review of this for pitchfork um, there's a reissue, deluxe edition reissue this this year to celebrate the anniversary. And um, Andy notes that this this album, Ace, in 1972, was really the first time that we saw Bob Weir go from a just a rhythm guitarist to a full-fledged composer and driving force. And despite its origins as a receptacle for surplus Weir material, this is quoting Andy's writing, all of its songs but one became beloved staples of the Dead's live set. Um and Weir said, as he was writing in the early 70s, I got a lot of material and I can't use it all for the Grateful Dead. But uh, it turned out he did. And uh, when he was making this album, I love this, that he he was in Wally Heider's studio in San Francisco, which is also where we recorded our Freak Flag Flying podcast with David Crosby. Uh, but tons of amazing, famous albums were made there, especially in the 70s. Uh, but Bob said, everybody gets wind of the fact that I got time booked and I may be going to the studio. So one by one, they start coming around. Lesh and Garcia, hey man, I hear you need some time. I hear you have some time booked. You need a bla- bass player? Need a guitarist? So this gave us, of course... Black-Throated Wind, Cassidy, two of my favorites, and and a lot more songs. So it's great that it's getting this reissue. There's a Wolf Brothers live track on there and some other stuff, but really just want to pay homage to this amazing release. All right, speaking of releases, King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard, they released a live Red Rocks album uh, today, this week, on uh, Bandcamp. It's 86 tracks, and it's from their 2022 Red Rocks run. So they played three long shows, and uh, everything's out there. 
86 tracks. It's just incredible. And this band is just so prolific. And I want to talk about that more in a second. But this is part of their bootlegger program. So this is it's on Bandcamp. um, But on their website, King Gizzard describes this bootlegger program and says, Yo, indie labels, bootleggers, fans, weirdos, we've got a deal for you. If anyone wants to release these albums, you're free to do so. Below, you'll find links to audio master files and cover art. Feel free to get creative with it if you like. It's yours. Only deal is you got to send us some of them to sell on gizverse.com. Whatever you feel is a fair trade is cool with us. Ideas, double LPs, seven-inch remix, reimagined cover art, bizarre-looking wax, live show box sets, tapes, or keep it simple. That's totally okay. So that's a really cool thing. They're giving the master recordings to the fans and saying, create something cool, send it back, and uh, we'll, all, we'll all help spread this music. And in contrast to the news we've heard about Ticketmaster, selling catalogs, consolidation, big companies getting even more money, this is just a cool example of bands and fans interacting and exchanging value in a unique way. But also, this release is just fucking awesome. It's 86 tracks, as I mentioned. It spans every style of music they play. And what's insane to me about this band is that they've released 23 studio albums, 15 live albums, three compilation albums, one remix album, three EPs, 51 singles, and 60 music videos. Their energy at these live shows is just insane. It never lets up. They already have 37 shows this year from February through June and probably working on several new albums. So the obvious question is, how do they do it? How do they create so much music, keep pushing so hard, and keep fans on their toes And maybe the excitement and amazement about this band, which is everywhere, including from our friend Trey Anastasio, um, I think it's partially because of this, the prolific nature of their creation, the energy, the seemingly impossible work. And this band has caught fire recently, and I think the fans are so passionate and excited, partially because of the relentlessness that the band has. I mean, in terms of their live shows, in terms of their releases, in terms of their compositions, I don't know how long they can keep up with this, but... Um, I mean, they're younger than I am, so maybe they'll be able to keep it up for longer. But, man, it's so cool. And and this Red Rocks release, really, I've listened to most King Gizzard albums. And I went to a show here in Philly. It was crazy. It was wild. Um, But this live release, I think, really is what changed my perspective on them and and showed me how incredible these guys are and and how how much potential they still have. So check that out. It's on Bandcamp. The link is in the show notes. And uh, congrats on on all the success to King Gizzard. All right, lastly, I want to give a shout out to our Goose Chicks pod. Um, They have a new episode out featuring Ashley Driscoll, founder of the amazing GrooveSafe. So we love the Goose Chicks pod. We love GrooveSafe. But I really like this podcast because Leslie Mack, um, Alexius, and their contributors are so deep in the Goose experience, which is exciting on its own, but they're also focusing on women fans who love the band and the ways the jam band community is meeting the needs of women, the LGBTQIA plus community, and more. And this episode, of course, with Groove Save focuses on consent culture and more. Um, I just really like the conversations that Leslie and her team are having, and um, it's really cool, and I hope everyone out there gets a chance to listen. And as I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to be doing artist interviews very soon. So please review, subscribe, et cetera, spread the word. We have a bunch of very interesting and very special conversations coming up. So make sure you subscribe and spread the word. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow.
Osiris. Osiris.